your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, where we are changing the rules to allow our podcast to fall on an article that already has content on it. Well, hopefully. I haven't actually done the infographics as of this taping, but um, anyway, that's a... I'm, with me again is MN Wildcat um, Thumpasaurus, and that that's, gives you a pretty good idea what we're about to talk about. We did it! Can you, can you say the, the article isn't done yet because it's your own fault, or was it just the fault of somebody else through no, you know, foresight of your own? Are you the one who wanted to write this article, or was it just everybody, the pressure that was put on you from the outside to write that article? <laughs> Oh boy. I mean, I, I don't know. It was actually my plan all along. Um, but congratulations, guys. We did it. We're one Northwestern shellacking away from fulfilling the entire purpose of the Big Ten Conference now, getting so Ohio State a national championship. We're just, it, it really was a team effort, everybody. So I want to, I really want to congratulate the entire Big Ten Conference. You know, Minnesota, you only played four games or whatever the hell it is. This one goes out to you. Uh, you know, Wisconsin, you know, beat the piss out of Illinois and then infect half of uh, half the state. Well done, guys. You truly, I mean, this is a victory. A victory for Ohio State, remember, is a victory for all of us. Because in the Big Ten, it just means, well, no, wait a minute. This is a fucked up decision, a fucked up rule. And the Big Ten has totally made itself look like a completely incompetent bunch of assholes this entire time. It just is so fucking maddening. And I mean, as a Northwestern fan, look, it's in my best interests if the team plays Indiana. I get that. My opposition to Ohio State being there is just the leadership that has allowed us to spiral into this just looking completely asinine. And the Ohio State fans now patting themselves on the back that, yes, we are, in fact, the most important people in the world. No, fuck off. Like You are getting this just because of complete incompetence at the top. And it's so frustrating to see a football conference that has a good story in Indiana and by God, it's a story in Northwestern. Two losing-ass programs are supposed to meet in this conference championship. And because the Big Ten cares more about money and doesn't look, they don't give a shit about these unpaid athletes, this is where we're at. And it's just, what a frustrating open to this podcast, I suppose. Sorry. Well, I mean, you said it yourself, though. It's about money. Given that, were they ever really going to let this Indiana thing happen? I mean, at the very least, basically what they were meeting was to decide how publicly to admit that they put together this season solely for Ohio State. Because we said that from the beginning, that that yeah. was the whole purpose of this. Um, it's just we, need, we, we wanted people to acknowledge it because I kind of went off on our Twitter a bit on, on some, some person, some Nebraska no. fan who's still complaining um, that just, you know, we, everybody on our staff, at least, and we're just a blog, but a lot of we we read the news we read things we we try to sift through bullshit we all said one this is for ohio state's benefit and 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 there's alone that's the only reason that we're doing this two it's irresponsible because guess what the pandemic is going to get much much worse in the late fall it's not under, it wasn't under control when we were putting together the season and oh my god did it just grow to you know record shattering proportions in the last month or so uh, especially in the Midwest where all these schools are. We said that it wasn't just going to go away. We, couldn't, we weren't going to be able to just pretend things are normal, and a lot of games are going to get canceled, and a lot, of, a lot of the circumstances are going to be – basically, you can't ignore it. 
and in, it's in states, particularly Iowa being one right now, where you're looking at just these massive numbers of, of hospitals that are, that are, you know, almost to the gills, that I see, you know, ICUs are reaching capacity, the doctors, nurses, frontline workers are stressed out, and, you know, Kimmy is mad that Braylon and uh, Jalen can't go to, you know, in-person finger painting at their kindergarten while it's finger painting the fifth grade subject in Iowa, but they're upset that they can't go to finger painting class five times a week in person. It's it just, it's so... I think what's gotten to me the most and what I, I maybe this Nebraska fan that's kind of been going after the OT account today is that do you feel good about having played the Patsy for Ohio State? Is Ryan Day, you know, if they make it to the college football playoff and, you know, maybe make it to the final, are you going to get an extra $2 million of that cut? You know, are they going to come and is Ryan Day going to give Scott Frost a ring as, you know, for being a runner up? Or are you just content to be the, the absolute handmaid? Of Ohio, I I cannot fathom that that you want so badly to be the lackey for some bigger, stronger kid. Why would you want another Texas if you're Nebraska? Well, I mean, maybe Nebraska is figuring that Lord Day will knight them and give them a fiefdom of their own for for going out and performing acts of heroism on his behalf. The only reason they have the fiefdom they have is because there's no other D1 fucking football team in that state. They'd have found a way to lose to them by now. Yeah, so we're not at all sorry that you didn't get the chance to rush the field after beating Chattanooga. Um, so that's, that's that. Let's talk about games because we still have some to get through. By the way, I have a feeling that the one thing that would have been cool about this season, namely the championship week undercards, I, I don't think those are going to happen. I think they're going to scrap those. It looks like it's going to be, if it's going to be anything, that it'll be some kind of shaken up, you know, uh, some sort of shaken up way of maybe playing a, you know, a Minnesota-Wisconsin if Minnesota can survive this Nebraska game and, and be ready for another. I think there's, it seems like there's a want to on, on the sides of both of those programs having kind of been through the worst of it now. Um, I still don't know if it's a good idea. But yeah, I, it seems like these last couple of weeks are just going to be kind of an amalgam of, all right, hey, you guys, you know, up, you want to play? It's it's like the consolation rounds of like a quiz bowl tournament when teams are just wandering around. You say, okay, you two nerds go pair off and like slap at each other for half an hour and then we'll call it a day and everybody will go their separate ways. Well, we know that nobody wants to play football more than Nebraska. And guess what? I'd love to play them again. <laughs> all that so they could get the brake speed off them by Illinois. God bless them. So let's talk about Rutgerland. This is Maryland's fifth game and their second since beating Penn State on November 7th. So there are not many recent data points and the transitive property would seem to favor Maryland, but this is a different Penn State team that Rutger played that, uh, you know, than the one that got blown away by Maryland in the first half. A little more confidence in there. So again, there's one where I just don't think that there, there's any meaningful data here. I think the difference in Rutgerland or the, you know, battle for Delaware, it's the one, I don't know who was pushing it, but battle for the railroad tie or whatever the hell it is. Give this, this needs a name for one. Cause if we're going to have these two shit programs here, they're going to do, you know, a Fresno state versus San Diego state or whoever the heck plays for the old oil can, or they're going to do the Fresno Boise for the old milk can get them basically some piece of aluminum and make them play for it because I need some interest in this game. Ah, the um, old router modem. There we go. The old, <laughs> To, or the old cable came. modem, the old cable modem. No, I just now came up with that. That's what they should play for because they came into league at the same time for the same reason. God, I love that. The old yep. cable modem. Yep. Or oh, just boy, a there's a new article. 
<laughs> That's uh, actually, you know, off Tackle Empire mailbag should be dropping sometime Thursday or Friday of this week. Uh, give a look in there and we talk about new conference and non-conference rivalry trophies. Um, with that said, though, it's Rutgers, Maryland is one where I think in the past it's been one of just, okay, let's watch two teams just completely hapless, just kind of slap at each other for an hour and somebody's going to go up by 20 and then is going to be trailing by 10 at the end of the game and nobody knows how it happens. Rutgers, Maryland this year at least has for me the sense of, okay, here are two programs that, while they don't have it all put together, you can at least look at each one of these programs and say there are players in this game who you should be able to see them kind of taking that next step. It's not as if, you know, I'm not expecting Bo Melton and, uh, you know, or I guess Isaiah Pacheco really and Jake Funk to be trading haymaker blows, but perhaps, one, you know, each of them busts off a run. Maybe Noah Vedral, who somehow is still the quarterback at Rutgers, and Talia Tagovailoa, they get into some, you know, big aerial matchup. It feels like we could see the potential in the winner and possibly the loser of this game. We could see what Loxley and what Shiano are building towards. It could give us, give us an idea of the future. But, you know, you're right about Maryland. There's, there's not a data point, and Rutgers is kind of the uh, – has – fallen or faded away a little bit from that that promising start that we saw well their offensive coordinator appears to have free reign to call whatever silly thing he wants which makes this a really potentially fun game because maryland does have some guys in uh rakeem jarrett and oh the other guy whose name i always forget that's actually been the volume catcher for them um you know the receiver i'm talking about right for Rutgers or for maryland maryland oh christ (laughs) oh boy are people assuming that we watch these games Okay. okay. The, the sound you hear now is the two of us firing up ESPN. Jish, uh, Jishon Jones. Jones, yeah. thank you. Yep, okay. <laughs> That's the guy. Okay. So, th- and those are guys that can absolutely put Not Dante up points Demas? in a hurry. Uh, Dante Demas, Jishon Jones, um, and Rakeem Jarrett are guys that can put up a put up yeah, point, okay, points in a hurry. Um, whereas, I don't know, we may see some silly things from Rutgers. Um, what I'm interested in is, for as weird of a season as it's been, uh, do you know every single team in the Big Ten has at least two conference wins right now? Well, two wins. Uh, ten have exactly two wins. And I'm currently just going back through Wikipedia to see when the hell was the last time the Big Ten had a, had a season where every team had at least two conference wins. And I am all the way back to 2008. I still haven't found it yet. Uh, thanks, Indiana. You almost did it in, in 08. For us, um, and then because you get into the bad years of the randomly bad Illinois, the perpetually bad Northwesterns. I mean, you're going to have to go back. Yeah. Well, now I'm back. I'm back below. Uh, I'm I'm past 07. So now no point in going to. I got to skip straight to 2001 because I know Illinois is going to be at less than two. <laughs> um, yeah. I I don't know. That's a, a project for later. It, you know. It, I think in any other year and perhaps in, in that year that we find, you know, it's, let's just, you know, out of a hat, say it's 1983, you know, when, when everybody had two losses, that would probably speak that year to the, to the parody of the conference, or at least the parody of the worst of the worst this year. It's just, everything is such an absolute crapshoot. I don't know that it's, you know, everybody has two wins and I think it's more of just a point to, Hey, look at how just absolutely absurd this entire idea has been. Yeah. Especially when you look at Michigan state's wins. Um, <laughs> And uh, speaking of which, we're going to do the land-grant trophy, and it's going to go pew, 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 because of all the lasers. Lasers. Pew, 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 pew. Oh, man. You know what the next step for the land-grant trophy is? Is for when the Bears blow up their staff, 
for somebody to hire Bill Lazor as their offensive coordinator. Oh, my God. Absolutely. So, yet another two-win team matchups. Uh, who gets the start here for the Spartans? Is Lombardi still is, – is Lombardi going to play or not? Nah? You know, I've had I've had a restraining order taken out on me by uh, by the family of Peyton Thorpe, so I actually am not permitted to talk about <laughs> Peyton Thorne. So I'm not permitted to talk about him uh, on this podcast anymore after mentioning his nipple several times. Um, t- I mean, to be honest, I don't know that you saw enough out of uh, out of Thorne that I want to go back to this right away. I think against you know a Penn State, especially a Penn State that's riding high feels like you would want to roll with Lombardi, but have the kind of quick hook if Lombardi's not, uh, if, if Lombardi's not hurt, that's, you know, and then bring Thorne in as your, as your change of pace, as kind of your, um, you know, bring him on and then just hell open it up and start throwing the ball all over the place. But, you know, Penn state's playing better football at this point. And I don't know that, you know, if you're, um, you know, I don't know if you're Michigan state, if that's, I think you're focused more on, on worrying about, you know, Kevon Lee and, and Jahan Dotson and that sort of thing and really keeping people from getting behind you. If Michigan State wins this game, it really feels like it should be kind of a 17-15 kind of slog. Yeah, because Penn State could serve up another gentleman's blowout if they just if they can just <laughs> contain, uh, you know, Michigan State's receivers and prevent Rocky Lombardi from completing two passes for two touchdowns in the first half. Um so Penn State is a 15-point home favorite, and it feels like they either cover that or lose outright. Yeah, I mean, it, it has that feeling, like you said, of the gentleman's blowout of this could be 23-3 or, or it could be 17-15. I don't – it's what's the over-unders looking, 46.5, I think. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd still probably be jamming the under either way. And, of course, now that we've said this, this is set up for a, you know, a 35-33 kind of show, shootout with – uh, with Peyton Thorne coming in and, you know, throwing throwing five touchdowns or something. Well, we're hedging our bets against fun, and then if fun breaks out, well, then we win anyway. <laughs> it's always the smart thing to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. So our next big-time rivalry game Before that we're going to do. Before we get do... to this big-time rivalry game, because we were looking for the two-win, uh, the no team with fewer than two wins in the in conference play. Yeah. Think, if you will, about the last batshit insane Big Ten season with a conference champion or co-champion so improbable and stupid. Uh, 2001? You're so close. 2000? Yes, when Purdue, Northwestern, and Michigan all tied for the conference title at 6-2 and two, with Ohio State at 5-3, and three, Indiana, Michigan State, and Illinois all made up the bottom of the conference that season at 2-6. and six. Huh. Yeah, I was saying 2001 because Illinois won, and, but I forgot <laughs> that that's, that's not necessarily a silly conference season. That's just kind of like, you know... The, the comet that comes around every so often. That was back when it was in Illinois' nature to have, you know, every, every few years a 10-win you know, season instead of a 7-win season. Yes, absolutely. The, uh, God bless Kirk the, the, the lows are the, – the highs are getting lower. Uh, the lows don't really have much room to go down. God so anyway, lows. For, for Illinois' uh, big-time rivalry game on Saturday – well, this game put me in a very bad mood last year because it, was, it ended up being way more low scoring than I, than I thought. I thought we were in great position to win it, but we, we couldn't. We kept turning the ball over. We couldn't, couldn't score. But ultimately, I think that, one, you have Io and Kofi back, um, and Kofi is going to make some – Kofi's definitely made some progress this year. You notice he hasn't been in foul trouble. He was in foul trouble early last year, and that is what – really set them back because he wasn't able to play most of this game. Um, oh, my God. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't see this one going 
Missouri's way. Even I mean, and I'd love to just smack all of the smug out of Quanzo Martin. But yeah, that's the only that's the only noteworthy feline rivalry matchup that Illinois has on Saturday. No, as far sir, as I'm you will, concerned, you will sit here and take it. That's the way that everybody has to deal with Northwestern and Illinois is no different. And there's a fancy chapeau on on the line. Well. As we covered in the in the review podcast, there isn't a shred of evidence that Lovey Smith that a Lovey Smith coached Illini can ever beat a Pat Fitzgerald Northwestern. Um, and I mean, let's be honest, this year has all the makings of that usual kind of just stupid Pat Fitzgerald. We're going to beat you over the head with a rock for sixty minutes, and you know, if you manage to get an equally sized rock and hit us with it, you'll win. But so well, far, only Michigan State has found a way to do that, and it's. I, <laughs> None of this is to say that Northwestern can't be had. They absolutely can nope. be, even by this Illinois team. And you know that. But what's clear is that Lovey and company will not do anything unpredictable. Um, <laughs> if you're going to do things on defense nobody has film on, now is the time to do it. I, I'd, I'd just love to see Lovey Smith coach as though it matters if his team wins or loses in this game. Because it matters a great deal to me, or at least it used to. Um, you know, that, that's the thing. You can't, like, they're going to do exactly what Northwestern expects them to do because that's what, that's, what, that's what they do. And they're just never going to win it that way because they haven't shown that they can actually execute their game plan as well as Northwestern can execute theirs. You know, one thing that I th- where I think they do have an opportunity to execute that game plan is particularly with the two-quarterback system. It's, and I know there's, there's frustration for sure with, with both Peters and Williams in terms of how they're rotated and how they work. Um, you know, Brandon Peters has, I don't want to say has a little Rocky Lombardi in him, um, but the idea that Brandon Peters is going to tuck the ball and run, Northwestern's been made to look rather foolish this year twice now by Luke McCaffrey and again by Rocky Lombardi on plays where everybody and their mother knows after the two steps in that drop that the quarterback is going to tuck the ball and run and I just I'm very 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 concerned right now at Northwestern's ability to contain Illinois on those QB draws and this could unfortunately be another game where Illinois has 14 in the second quarter until Northwestern either figures it out or doesn't and, you know, potentially loses to Illinois. I still think it's on, you know, Northwestern's side here. The odds are good and the line is, God knows it's astronomical for a Northwestern line in any game. Two and a half, two touchdowns and a, and a little half on the end there just for good measure. But I, I will say that, that Peter's, that Peters Williams combination gives me some pause. I'm comfortable in the ability of Northwestern secondary to stop, you know, Imada Bebe and, 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 hold in check the Illini wide receivers, but it's that kind of quarterback in middle of the field that I'm curious to see how it goes. Well, and this is why I, I thought that what they should, what they should do is just go to a straight up 2018 game plan with Williams um, because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, being able to try to, I mean, essentially you saw Nebraska kind of do something similar and had success moving the ball. They just kept turning it over. Um, Peters is going to absolutely be willing. He's going to need to be willing to take a hit this week. He kept uh, diving short against Iowa and that's, you know, it's not necessarily, I mean, yeah, I get it that you don't want to get beat up, but man, that's always been Rod Smith's system. His quarterbacks have always gotten beat up because you need to tote the rock at least 15 times a game. Uh, The status of several line of defensive starters, especially Jamal Woods and Kalan Tolson, might be key to seeing how they can execute the the run-out-the-clock offense. (laughs) Because Ramsey is not going to be under any pressure, uh, as he's generally smart in the pocket. He doesn't run himself into sacks like Spencer Petras did. But none of that matters if Illinois can't stop the run. For sure. And it showed last year with, you know, our 
our esteemed uh, backup defensive back right now, Coco Azima, who, uh, you know, managed to have himself a day. Um, but, you know, you say Ramsey doesn't make, you know, he's generally smart in the pocket. The one thing that he does have issues with isn't getting happy feet. It, it's forcing one or two balls a game usually into tight and really odd coverage. It's where you're just kind of, he comes off, you know, but what were you thinking here? You know, what was that throw supposed to be? Just some bad timed interceptions. Um, so, I, I mean, there still is kind of that. I'm not just going to, take you know take the illinois pass rush off the table here and say it's going to be a non-factor because just having that kind of basic pressure on ramsey can still prompt him to do maybe one or two dumb things a game and as we saw against michigan state northwestern has no problem apparently stacking occasionally dumb things one on top of the next and owen carney has been able to actually generate a lot more pass rush than i anticipated but again if, if woods is out they're going to have a hard time holding the middle yeah um with northwestern favored by 13 and a half sounds about right oh man 13. i also wanted to mention that it looks like we've lost alex polcheski for the year with a torn acl oh, um geez. so that's one of those five often that's one of those four offensive linemen that uh, had started since 2017 um i'm not sure who replaces him but Actually, our ba- our walk-on tight end did an adequate job at guard against Purdue. I was very surprised. He he earned a scholarship the next day. Because, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, because they actually – the offense wasn't actually that bad against Purdue, all things considered. They just turned the ball over four times. Um, but as for this – I mean, Northwestern is worlds better than the Illini, but they are never trying to score a lot of points. So I'm seeing this as a 14-point win only because that's the score by which Northwestern wants to win. Um, our team opted out of the rivalry last year, so uh, whatever. <laughs> Just mount that hat next to the tomahawk. This is no longer a rivalry because our coach doesn't really care about it. I really, I, I do kind of, I don't wish for a, a brawl or something like that, but you almost look at this rivalry and you kind of wish there would be something to spice it up once again because there's no, I mean, Illinois doesn't, and part of it's because the program has been so moribund the last few years, but uh, does Illinois have a football rival? I mean, is there one Illinois. game a year where... <laughs> is there one opponent a year outside of Illinois that you wake up and think like, this is the team, you know, that Illinois fans broadly, not just, you know, you yourself. Cause I know God knows you and I both have our share of neuroses about particular teams, but is there one team that like the fan base gets up and says, here's the game. Like this is the one that we care about. I mean, we actually hate Michigan a lot more than I think a lot of people realize. Hmm. And What's interesting is that we keep ducking them in good years. We keep not getting them in good years to have them. We last got shitty Michigan teams in 08 and 09 and ran them out of our stadium and their stadium. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sure would be good to get them in the week nine game. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, when Lovey Smith was the coach of the Bears, until he got Jay Cutler forced on him, he excelled at beating the Packers, whether or not his team was any good compared to them. Uh, I I hated playing Lovey Smith when he was the, the, the Bears coach because, you know, there was that one year where the Packers went 13-3 uh, and three and their two losses mm-hmm. were to like a 6-10 and 10 Bears squad and they were both bad. Yeah. But those, those damn, as a Vikings fan, those damn teams where they would just come in and you knew that the secondary, every time that somebody was tackling a wide receiver or running back, that they were, I mean, throwing fucking haymakers at the ball carrier ripping knocking that ball out that they had special teams that were just that, that were good and you see some of that with the way that illinois tackles i think i've been a little bit impressed with how they've it feels like they've forced more fumbles in the lovey smith era not that it's particularly tough to do given what preceded him but the, just the special teams and the overall kind of stick to itness or the kind of the hunger that that 
that extra quality that those Chicago Bears teams had, I don't know that Santa Levy has really imposed those on Illinois. Yeah, the yeah the the peanut Tillman punch has absolutely been a thing that we've drilled into our players. Uh, best exemplified, Jake Hansen has forced fumbles at an at an incredible rate. Um, I don't know, man. Just just give me a reason to care. Um, or 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 you can if you don't want to give me a reason to care, Lovey, you can get the fuck out of here. I mean, it's your, your choice. You can do one of those two things. I it's just, maybe maybe it's Pat Fitzgerald like using some sort of a gendered slur against against uh, Illinois, calling them little sister or something. Maybe that's what it's going to take to get this all. I mean, he, he would never do it. He's only going to speak about how much respect he has for Levy Smith as a Bears coach. Yeah, he's doing the Tom Izzo, Bruce Weber thing right now. <laughs> where, God, I hate that. The Tom Izzo, Bill Carmody thing? <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. Great guy, runs a great program. You can't, can't kick him out. Yep. So let's talk about the bits of broken chair. I can't believe this game's going to happen. Yep. I was looking all over for cancellations, and it looks like Minnesota is, well, going to be able to play. And that probably is the most that anybody is aware of anything happening. Right? It just it feels irresponsible. It, I mean, I'm sure it is irresponsible, but, you know, Nebraska Nebraska gets what it wants apparently this year, and, uh, you know, Minnesota wants to get back in the field. I think, if anything, we're going to see that this is a game for Minnesota that I, I really think from everything I'm hearing in the Twin Cities, that everything that uh, White Speed receivers told me, it, it feels like P.J. Fleck is using this as a, a warm-up game for Wisconsin. Ah. I, think he, I think he really wants to play, because everything that I'm hearing out of both, both Fleck and A.D. Mark Coyle at the U is that they really want to play for, for the Axe in kind of in championship week or whatever. We're going to have to just make it up. And, I mean, really just it could be – just who the fuck gives a shit Saturday. Um, yeah. I imagine, but, I wonder, I mean, Rashad Bateman comes back so, for Wisconsin, right? I, I, <laughs> that would be what an amazing, like, I mean, you could, it's a WWE esque script. If they're going to, <laughs> if he's going to come back a second time. Yeah. Well, he, he opted out after the Wisconsin cancellation. And I thought like it, I thought it would have been a totally fair point. For, for Bateman to be like, all right, I've done, I've put some stuff on film, and the one thing I care about for this team is getting that axe back, and it looks like that's not going to happen, so I'm done here, right? And that's totally fair, totally fair of him to do. Go get yours, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, I mean, just, I, I can't imagine, like 49 people in the Gopher program is the last number that I saw. Like something like 20, maybe 23 athletes, 20, what's the number then, six staff members, like uh, that geez that you're going to be ready to play i i really just it and this is on total speculation it, it feels more like it's okay iron out the kings for the gophers figure out who's going to run the ball who do we have on the offensive line is tanner morgan you know is chris ottman bell ready to be kind of our our number one wide receiver for the gophers and uh, just start getting things back revved up and get going for uh, uh get going for wisconsin i really it just has that feel that P just needs some sort of a magical win out of this season to restore just a tiny bit of that goodwill in the Twin Cities. So this is basically going to be a scrimmage as far as he's concerned. It's going to be a scrimmage, and I mean, it'll have the, I guess, the the really shitty impact at this point, now that I think about it, of giving Nebraska just one more thing to puff its chest about, because Nebraska, with a win against the Gophers, would be 3-4. and four. And well, with their matchup in the crossover game, I mean, who do they, they probably get Michigan State, maybe? Rutgers, Ooh. maybe? I mean, Michigan State or Rutgers, probably. We could be talking about a 4-4 four four Nebraska, and you know what 4-4 four four Nebraska means, is they get a bowl game. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. Somebody's going to, somebody in, you know, I, I don't know if it's the Frisco Bowl or the, jeez, uh, the Music City Bowl seems like a fair a fair bet or something, or maybe somebody in Texas, uh, if we stood, we don't have the, those Bowen tie-ins anymore. I mean, hell, maybe Vegas opens the purse strings. And can you imagine 25,000 Huskers fans descending upon Las Vegas to play in the Vegas Bowl or something? That's, no, that one's canceled. So that's a bad example. But again, wherever it might be, Charlotte, I mean, for all I care, somewhere that, terrifying and, and i there is part of me that's very you know kind of re- wants retribution that no you don't get a fucking bowl game like you acted like petulant little brats you are terrible like this is a bad foot nebraska football team still uh I, I don't want to see them in a bowl game it's a it's personal i just i don't want to see them there i don't think they deserve it but it's looking like three and four against minnesota and then we might be saying you know help us save us rutgers you're our only hope well i mean Let's not overlook the fact that Minnesota did kick the living shit out of Illinois. Um, now, granted, it's not like that's been proven difficult to do, uh, but that still suggests that perhaps they can, in fact, defend a similar offense. Yeah, there's potential for that, and I, I would be worried with Minnesota about their ability to, um, about their ability to stop Luke McCaffrey in particular. But it's again, like you said, with with the Illinois game, there's there's always the potential the potential there and adrian martinez you know maybe got himself right on some level against uh against purdue maybe maybe they're willing to roll martinez back against the gophers and, and really run with it that's you know we we could be in that kind of a situation where nebraska's finally putting you know this mediocre 500 level version of a team together yeah well minnesota games have been pretty dumb and uh some of the results have been disputed so we'll <laughs> see how red nation takes that uh, uh now sorry go ahead no, that's, I was just going to say that Minnesota-Nebraska has been a weird kind of series with what it was a few years ago that it was like 0-5 Nebraska or 0-6 Nebraska got their first, their first win of the year with, a, with Minnesota rolling in. It's, it's an odd – it's been kind of an odd matchup, and I think it's just it, two coaches, God knows, who are easy enough to hate too. But, yeah, that's one that, again, with, with how, how long Minnesota's been out and the number of people that have had it and everything, it's, it's anyone's guess. All right, and now the last game of the week is the Big Ten West second-place game. Also known as the Are You Proud of Yourself Bowl. <laughs> Wisconsin has two wins against terrible teams and two losses to good teams. Iowa has a loss to a middling team and a loss to a good team. Which one I, of those is Northwestern? A good team, relatively speaking. Uh, I mean, okay, sure. I guess the other's Purdue, so. <laughs> yeah, so Iowa put up more on Northwestern, but as we all know, comparative results with Northwestern tell you nothing. Jack shit. They are completely useless. So the question is, who will be the one to bury their best back on the bench the longest? <laughs> this is something that Iowa always does, but Wisconsin only started doing this year. Yeah, we'll need to look into if any of Iowa's players have shown up at uh, practice with a, you know, an afro or something like that in the last week. That could tell us uh, who's going to wind up riding the bench and uh, wind up riding the bench in Kinnick. But no, I mean that's Goodson is a hell of a back, and, and Berger is too. It's just it, it's going to be so frustrating to watch them get equal or equal to or less shares of the um of the ball than the other running backs combined yeah we previewed this game a little bit on our on (laughs) our uh, tuesday podcast but basically the the leading receivers are tight ends and fullbacks in this game but that doesn't mean that there won't be a lot of passing um this feels ripe for a 13 to 10 triple overtime game boy you're expecting a shootout huh absolutely that's, I mean, what the line is one and the one and a half, I think, and the the over under is forty one and a half. So I mean, it's yeah, it's. I mean, I'd I'd probably jam that under. I'd, I said it in the 
the recap of last week, I, I think this is going to be a one of the most poorly quarterbacked Big Ten football games that we see all year. If yeah, you're I, at, I really think so because the defenses in both of these games are competent. Precisely. Yep. It's I, I have no, no, no faith in in Graham Mertz to, to stand up to the fact that uh, who is a, a Davian Nixon for um, for Iowa has got something like five and a half sacks and is on one of the uh, one of the watch lists now uh, for defensive uh, for defensive linemen. It's uh, Chauncey Golston is a heck of a, a heck of a DT a heck of a DN too for the uh, for the Hawkeyes. It's Mertz is going to be running for his life, and on the other side, it, it's a Wisconsin defense rolling into town, and it's Kirk Ferentz on the other side who you know has just the mindset on his own that he can just you know he and Brian can just think their way out of any problem. That's and. Yeah, or can just run the ball out of any problem. I alone can fix it. I am the chosen one. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, Petrus was getting himself into trouble against Illinois early. He's probably going to have to do a little better. Yeah, I mean, it's, the guy's got, what, it's seven, inter- seven touchdowns to five interceptions this year in seven games, right? Iowa's played their full slate? Uh, I believe so. He's throwing a touchdown a game. Like, it's even, you know, and even if I was running for something like two, two and a half scores a game right now, like, you can't have your courts. I'm sorry. It's just, and, you know, maybe, maybe they win this game and they can point to how Spencer Petrus went six and two in his first year as the, as the Iowa starter. That doesn't make him a good quarterback. That's, you oh, he'll start at, for the rest of his career. He'll start, and maybe he'll wind up being, uh, someday he'll be the San Francisco 49ers quarterback, too. That's, you know. <laughs> so, a game is canceled. The bucket is canceled. Um, sad times. Indiana might just be done now. What a, just if that is the case? I mean, what an awful. I just I feel so bad for that. I feel so bad. I just it's stuck in my brain how excited all those players look talking about Tom Allen and how excited the Indiana fan base has gotten. And to go from like on Saturday, you know, Saturday Sunday of this week, thinking like okay, we are, you know, going to be in the Big Ten Championship or, you know, holding out that hope that the conference wasn't going to step in on the side of Ohio State to go from that to possibly not playing in your next two games. Uh, and from that to then, you know, who knows that the, the one of the best Indiana football seasons ever is going to be potentially scuttled at this point. It's just what a heartbreaking thing. It's I feel awful for for the Indiana, you know, Indiana fan base and for the Indiana players because that's they're, what a cool story they've been. Well, they ain't going anywhere for the most part. Uh, their football will still be here next year, hopefully. Um, but elsewhere, Cincinnati, Tulsa, I don't know. Is that exciting? Uh, the game that's exciting, this is since you've entered into my specialty subject, uh, don't watch this, watch that, dropping tomorrow afternoon sometime when I finish grading exams and thoroughly hate myself. Uh, to, it'll be Friday evening at 9 p.m. on CBS uh, Sports Network. Nevada versus uh, undefeated undefeated talk to your kids about for the first time since 1939 undefeated san jose baby oh the spartans, boy the spartans and brent brennan walk in five and oh and the winner of this game i believe has is basically playing in to a conference final with boise state assuming boise state gets by i think it's wyoming whoever boise plays over the weekend uh, assuming boise wins that game which they should I'm not seeing who it is. Yeah, Boise State at Wyoming. Um, assuming Boise gets by Wyoming, the winner of uh, Nevada and San Jose State will appear in the 
Mountain West Conference Championship game, which is very exciting for two moribund football programs with uh, with a lot on the line and who spread the ball out and uh, and really throw it around quite a bit. So that should be a fun one. 9 p.m. Friday night, get drunk, stay home. You don't want to watch Utah, Colorado anyways. Well, Nevada has had good things happen to them in the lifetime of my dad. So <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm in for, for the Spartans at this point. Oh, there's Texas, Kansas. Rumor has it that they're pulling out all the stops for Urban Meyer. <laughs> More power to them. At some point, Texas will learn they're not as special as they think, but I thought at some point Ohio State would learn that too, and here we are. Yep, well, you know, we'll see if the Big 12 enables them the way that the Big 10 enables in Ohio State. Ohio State. Uh, now, looking over the schedule, just uh, what a desolate wasteland our college football season has become. Yep, uh, it reminds us this was all a mistake, although we do have Army-Navy on, on Saturday, which is always worth a, you know, worth a tune-in at some point just to see it. And I'm seeing it's got an over-under of 38 for this game. It's uh, two... I guess Army is technically 7-2, and two, but I don't recall them having any particularly eye-grabbing wins. Uh, it should be the usual classic of a lot of patriotism, a lot of feeling good about ourselves, uh, and not much in the way of actually really uh, you know, thrilling football until the end when, uh, God, Gopher 3 is going to listen to this and just absolutely kill me. Um, but yeah, until the end when you know there's some game-winning drive and it lasts 15 minutes you know, and a half and... Uh, and his 35 plays, you know, running down the field, aided by penalties. So that'll be a blast. Look forward to that. Um, well, I mean, in that, is there anything more exciting than watching Army-Navy and there's a pass? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's like, you know, when a goal is scored in a soccer game. Like, you just wait for that thing to happen, and then, oh, my God! It might only happen five times a game, but, yeah, just go nuts. Every single time there's a pass in that game, it's like, oh, man, something's you- happening! When you see the quarterback drop back, too, it's, it has that moment of when you're driving on, like, an icy freeway and you see a car in front of you tap on its brakes and clearly they realize they're not going to be able to stop. And you just have that <laughs> moment of, all right, I wonder if this is going to, you know, resolve smoothly, if this is going to be a 15-car pileup that takes me with it in a flaming, you know, in a flaming wreck. Uh, it's, it's that thrill that we, that we, you know, truly are college football fans for. We certainly are blessed. <laughs> All right, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much, and I'm going to... Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's off-tackle empire!